Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity, the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Friday, November 10th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? Looks like all the screens have kicked in. So we have no introduction. I have my assistant bringing me. Alright. My phone went dead. Seems like I'm never right? here. How's everybody doing? How did you enjoy your week? Mine went pretty well, though we have uh, our good days and our bad days. But overall, this week was pretty good. So, anyway. Uh, what else? So we're just going to be covering our regular news and views uh, today. Covering up, catching up on the news, uh, seeing how that plays in the safety, and you know, it's all that psychological safety, it seems. Always. So, uh, always about psychological safety. So even when we're not specifically talking about safety, we're talking about things that, uh, why am I getting an echo here tonight? Getting an echo. Uh, it's always about safety in one way or another, because people are freaking out, as I've said again and again and again and again. Uh, people are very stressed out. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro. Sam Goodman with the Hopner, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Posell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, 
we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Okay, I figured out what that problem was here on the board. Hopefully we're not going to be echoing. Right? Then we can be an oldies station, right? CBS FM with the echo on there. Out of 101.10 out of New York City for those of you in the area. A lot going on today in the news. A lot going on this week in the news between the... uh, Now we're dealing with two wars. One war in the uh, Ukraine, which we've been dealing with since February of last year. Now the one in Israel and Gaza... And, yeah, you know, I try to avoid politics here, but like I said to, I, I can't pronounce her name, Mayim Begalic, right, from hosts of Jeopardy and also uh, from Big Bang Theory. Uh, she was in that and Blossom when she was younger. Uh, very, very intelligent person here. I have a lot of respect for intelligent people regardless of who they are. And she was saying a couple of weeks ago that how she was surprised and shocked that there was anti-Semitism to this level, especially as she described about her alma mater. And I had to say, really? I've been out of uh, graduate school 20 years, or right now, graduated in... August of 2023. Before that, I graduated undergrad school in 1992, July of 1992. Uh, well, it was June, but I went for the summer semester. I had a couple of credits I needed to make up, things of that nature, scheduling during the conflicts, that sort of thing, during the regular year. And we saw it there. We saw it there. We saw it there among... Groups, you say, that, uh, we'll say left-wing groups, right? You're always going to have anti-Semitism on both sides, just that people are shocked when they hear about it on their side. So if you're right-wing, you're shocked that you hear about right-wing anti-Semitism, it seems. If you're left-wing, you're shocked about there being left-wing anti-Semitism because we can't think bad about those. And people in the middle, directly in the middle, even if that's possible to be directly in the middle, uh, see both sides has full of guvno, right? There's extremes on both sides of that. And she was shocked that there was uh, anti-Semitism on college campuses. Now, all of a sudden, uh, because of alumni getting a little bit annoyed at some Ivy League universities, there's stories out there all over the place. Uh, They've been cracking down, suspending uh, some of these groups uh, and everything else. Uh, She's shocked that this is happening, and I'm shocked that she's shocked. Because these groups, uh, all you had to do was listen over the years of being paying attention. You're going to know that a lot of these groups are out there. They're anti-Semitic on the right wing. And I don't even think that the right wing, you have all different groups that might be anti-Semitic that identify with the right and the far right. Uh, they're shocked that there are ones on the left and far left that are anti-Semitic. Really? I think anti-Semitism goes both ways here. 
with this. And uh, in Europe, uh, now there was stories that came out yesterday in uh, Central Europe and Germany where they haven't seen this level of anti-Semitism since, world, since before World War II. Really? You're shocked that they're in there? You've been letting groups in for uh, since the early 1960s. And again, what happens? What happens? And in Europe, it was a demographic crisis because of World War II with all, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people dying in the, you know, in the childbearing years and they didn't have the workforce and everything like that. So they had to get in immigrant immigrants from areas that, you know, God knows where they're coming from. Then all of a sudden they get radicalized in that and, and everything else. I mean, everyone's shot. Uh, anyway, I'm going to say, say that, uh, We'll talk a little bit about the economy. OSHA came out with a uh, press release today. OSHA announced its preparation meeting for UN subcommittee on the globally harmonized system of classification and labeling of chemicals. U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA and the Department of Transportation, that's the OT, will hold a joint online meeting on Wednesday, November 15th in advance of the UN's subcommittee of experts on the globally harmonized system of classification and labeling of chemicals. Meeting will be held in two parts for the convenience of attendees from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time, the Department of Transportation's Pipeline and Hazardous Material Safety Administration will open the meeting and invite comments in advance of the UN 63rd session on the transfer. Pardon me, on the transportation of dangerous goods. Now I got the hiccups. Uh, Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, you you can check out the website and the news releases. They have uh, ways of issuing comments on here. I'll say this much. Probably one of the most successful programs the United Nations has ever had, in my opinion, is the GHS system uh, here. We became signatories in the early 2010s. For that, and that's when we had the change from MSDS to SDS and labeling and those pictograms and everything. So what the uh, intention is, is for all of them, all of the countries, that is, to have the same paperwork all over the world. <coughs> Pardon me, all over the world. Uh, that's basically it. Uh, for the chemicals what they're calling things. I remember back in the day, early 90s, uh, we, the company I worked for used to have a contract for writing SDSs. I'm sorry, MSDSs. And what they, uh, what happened was we, uh, we just went in there and winged it every day. I'll be honest with you. We winged it. God forbid anybody got hurt with that stuff. Everything winged. So, uh, it was a little bit loosey-goosey, but ended up, uh, when you deal with the uh, uh, new system, the JHS system, it's very definitive, uh, very little wiggle room. The only problem is, is that you're dealing with the purple book. Have you ever had to deal with SDSs? You had to deal with the purple book. Purple book was extremely, is extremely extensive with descriptions and everything else and categorization. Uh, and what we went from was the right to know. So it would, 
you had the right to know what the uh, chemical was. Now you went into the right to understand. And they issued these pictograms, nine of them, like flammable, explosive, environmental pollutant, uh, oxidizer, flammable, all of those uh, dangerous, toxic. Right, And with the pictograms, to make it, you now you have the right to understand easily because pictures are normally easily to understand, easy to understand uh, more than words with things. Uh, but anyway, great, uh, great uh, program and everything else. One of the best things I think the UN has ever been involved with on that. Uh, Department of Labor investigation. Litigation recovers 11.4 mil in evacuations and damages for more than 1,000 uh, employees of an East Coast restaurant chain. Plaza Azteca denied minimum and overtime wages and pays 625k in penalties for violations. U.S. Department of Labor has recovered 11.4 mil in back wages and liquidated damages for more than 1,000 employees of an East Coast restaurant chain after a series of investigations and litigation by the department. The recovery is related to a consent judgment entered by the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia in Norfolk that resolves litigation by the department's office of the solicitor related to pay practices at more than 40 Plaza Azteca Mexican restaurant locations owned by Ruben Leon in seven states. After an investigation by the department's wage and hour division, the department filed a complaint alleging Leon and the restaurants violated overtime and minimum wage provisions of the Fair Labor Standards Act. That's a... Uh, that's a big no-no. The employers agreed to the consent judgment after months of litigation, just before a jury trial was scheduled to begin. The lawsuit included Plaza Azteca locations in Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. We're going to go uh, and... No, we're, no, we skipped it for a long time, but we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to have the financial stuff. So this is off the Wall Street Journal, right? Uh, Dow Jones Industrial was up today, 34,283.10. S&P 500, 44,15.24. NASDAQ, 13,798.11. Uh, Russell 2000 at 1,705.32. U.S. Treasury notes are down 132nd. Gold uh, is uh, at 1942.70. Bitcoin, 36.617. It's up 0.02%. And uh, crude oil is uh, uh, up slightly, 77.35. Dollar index, 100.23. And precious metals. We already mentioned gold, but uh, gold at 1952.40. Silver is holding at 22.53, platinum at 859.70, and palladium at 1,000 even. And we're going to go uh, for a commercial break. And 
Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War show? It does stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would, I would strongly encourage you to, um, to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com Yeah, so, you know, we have uh, children here that need have difficulties sometimes. Mom is out. Okay, uh, this is from the Washington Post today. When bullied students end their lives, parents are suing and schools are paying. A Washington Post analysis found nearly 2,000 incidents in recent years when a bullied student took his or her own life. Some schools are paying out millions and changing uh, policies. I tell you what, I was bullied terribly. Uh, it takes a long time to get over. right? Uh, but here we have... description of some of these situations in this uh, article here by Washington Post it's horrible right and I'm not going to uh, uh, trigger anybody here that's not what the point is with this uh, but I mean uh, now the uh, people video uh, recording the bullying one kid was not unconscious and people videoed him and everything else and then child committed suicide when uh right uh then they end up the school district getting sued then they having to pay out right and uh, here we have another one where uh there was a two million dollar payout in utah one in connecticut for five mil another one in new jersey 9.1 mil uh so uh, I have some mixed feelings on this. Now, at a certain point, words are now. Uh, today, there was a uh, all over the net about a person who shared a meme on Twitter, and it was a very popular meme in 2016. Uh, and uh, the FBI ended up arresting him. He ended up getting convicted, uh, sent to federal prison for seven months over a meme and it was an obvious satire or uh give a thumbs up to my daughter uh satire or uh humor 
to a reasonable person, I think, but uh, I don't know if he's appealing it or what the deal is. But what uh, the point is here, criminalizing thoughts and criminalizing uh, verbal no, uh, words, I, I'm not exactly comfortable with that, right? Even in the bullying, even though I was a victim of terrible bullying. But here we have a situation where we're forced to send our children to school or to give a child an education, right? That's, that's what we're for. Try not sending your child to school, especially up here in the Northeast. You're going to have a problem with truancy, the truant officer, and everything else with that. Uh, so you're forced to uh, uh, send your child to school. And under, uh, what's the Latin term? term? Parentis locus and local parentis, right? In the place of a parent, that's a legal concept that the school is responsible for your child if you are if they're in their custody. All right. So here we go with a situation where the child is in the school's custody. They are the parent. And they are not, for whatever reason, enforcing rules. They're not looking out for the child's welfare while on school property. That's the problem. Now, let's say that they are a parent. Now, you're a parent. You're at home. Do we have uh, laws against child neglect in virtually every jurisdiction? I think so. So... Here we have, uh, no, the title of these articles, this article was from the Washington Post here, uh, right? Uh, article was by Donna St. George. Why wasn't this, we can easily say, sovereign immunity strikes again. Here we have, so should the school be criminal? I can say that civilly liable, that's a different case. Should someone at the school be criminally liable for child neglect? Should the school... I have a feeling that if we had principals who could probably go to jail for not enforcing rules and other school officials and for child neglect here at school, I think things would be go a little bit differently here. And this is my whole thing with sovereign immunity, what the problem here is with this. They're not... Uh, and the and every one of these cases described, they talked about you now uh, while on school at school activities being bullied uh, and causing uh, psychological impacts. Something to think about uh, with that. Uh, again, what's the risk of these people not doing their job? Truly, what's the risk? You have. A lot of cases, union protections for these folks. Union will, right? So you have union protection. You're not going to, so there, nothing's going to really happen. unless it's something way over the top. So there's no risk to them. Is this $9.1 million coming out of someone's pay? No, it's coming out of the ATM machine known as the taxpayers for that town. Right here, 9.1 mil in New Jersey. Wow. 
Incredible. That's coming from somewhere. Now, so you're an administrator. There's no risk. Maybe you get a slap on the wrist. And then maybe you, you know, lose your job. But there's no real risk. It's not really costing you anything. So all I'm saying is, and what, what, let's get out the hazard matrix. What is risk? Likelihood of something happening? And what's the worst thing that could happen? The risk for the administrator is zero. Basically zero. Unless it's something totally off the wall, over the top uh, of that. What's the risk to the child? Being bullied, being psychologically fouled up. Uh, there's another word I'd like to use. What, uh, at what point do, no, uh, no, uh, I, I think this is a legitimate de uh, debate. We also had a situation here, and, and you know, my son is in middle school here, and one of the administrators saying, just because it didn't happen on school ground, it's our business. Really? If it's a non school event, non-school uh, situation, non-school anything, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, in private things that are affiliated. Do they have real jurisdiction? My question is this. Are we training our children? And this is controversial. Again, I'm a safety shock jock here. Are we training our children that... It's okay for the government to overreach? That's a question that has to be asked. All I'm asking. Things that haven't been thought out or planned. Right? Like a lot of other situations in our society that we're finding out. No thought, no planning, nothing. They're just going in there and winging it, people with no risk. Now, I'm going to say this. If you are contemplating suicide... Please get help. If you are a child being bullied, it gets better. It's only a temporary situation. And by the way, I could say almost all of the people who I got involved in bullying with in my younger years, elementary school, middle school, every one of them, except for a handful, right? the real bad perpetrators, every one of them, either ended up in prison, dead, or a very difficult life because that bullying carried into every aspect of their life. Broken marriages, uh, abuse, jail time, all of that above. So if you are a parent of a child that bullies, note that that child may end up in a really bad situation, right? real bad situation out there. And that's something you need to consider, right? Is that just uh, something to think about from all sides? A lot of questions here. Here we have one, and uh, this is a safety-related one because I go into this all the time with colors, where they have, especially with PPE. Colors. Oh, I have shared a story a couple of months back of somebody who, uh, uh, well, a, uh, at a facility I was at, they had a problem and someone got hurt. And they said, we're going to use the yellow suits. And it was scoped out for one brand of yellow suit with one vetted uh, uh, suit. 
And what happened was they removed the safety person from purchasing, from purchasing, from procurement, and gave it to someone who has no safety background, never had safety training, nothing, nada, who said, oh, I can buy these yellow suits that are a third the price or something like that. And then it's, well, the yellow suit is a yellow suit. It's good. Well, the yellow suits are all yellow suits. And people ended up getting hurt. And then uh, there was a situation where they put down chem suit. And then I, we go into a room and they said, we got to get, and D- Dave, my friend Dave heard this story on there. He was laughing uh, because he was there for that. We have to get a pickle suit. And I said, what the bleep is a pickle suit? And they said, well, you know, a pickle suit. No, I don't. And I said, look, you just got into a problem identifying suits by colors and identifying suits by using a chem suit. You don't specify. Now we have to use a pickle suit. I don't think this is a good thing. What the bleep did that root cause analysis that you pride yourself on do after you're ridiculing me for asking a question? So uh, what ended up happening, I don't know, I, you know, I said, look, can I talk frankly? We're all friends. We're all acquaintances. So what the bleep are you, are you talking about, pickle suit? And then we found out it was a PVC rain suit that they were talking about. That was green. And then I wanted to point out to the person, you know, they pickle all different kinds of things that are not necessarily green, right? Like, you know? But anyway, maybe I'll start a cooking show and I'll show you how to pickle things. It's really good. But anyway, so uh, getting back to our story here, countless kids are colorblind and don't know about it. Here's how to help. So uh, what this article in the Washington Post again says is the uh, one out of every 12 boys, right? And what, right, are colorblind. And one in 200 Females are colorblind also. But only 11 states test for colorblindness. So if you're going by color coding in the workplace, you got to be careful. What I tell people, especially with PPE, make sure you read the labels. Match it up. Go the extra mile. Get yourself a little educated. Because... Companies use different, uh, similar colors for different chemical protection with air purifying respirators. And they vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. So you got to read things out here. And, uh, right, so, you know, this mentioned all different school types of things. And, uh, you know, children not uh, being colorblind, it's, it's an issue. It's a big issue out there. So, Consider that. Let's go uh, to another commercial here. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Polzel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join a safety revolution with Safety Wars. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos.
This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. How you respond to failure matters. How you respond to failure matters. Okay, this is Safety Wars. Bro- yeah, that, anyway. Do-do-do. That's our weekly message. I know we have one through five, five days a week. And, you know, that's what we do. You are listening to Safety and Wars. This is going, Tomorrow, safety today. You know, it's, it's hysterical for me in a way how behavior-based safety people are clinging on to that. It's like a like paradigm change, right? And we're all familiar with paradigm change where right before there's a paradigm change, the people go nuts in defending the old paradigm. That's how I feel like it is. I feel like, and I put up a, a thing on Facebook this week. Uh, it was the anniversary of the movie They Live with Rowdy Roddy uh, Piper. Uh, one of, uh, his, I think it might have been his only movie role, but it was a phenomenal movie where there were certain glasses that you put on, you know, and you're able to see aliens with the glasses. And then, you know, horse and people, and then all of a sudden, ah, that people get it, and they're like, wow. But anyway, that's uh, basically, um, that's me with the hands, right? I talk with the hands, <laughs> right? Uh, but basically, that's how it is with behavior when you're a hop practitioner, trying to get people to wear those glasses and see that there's a better way out there, less adversarial, more loving way out there of doing things. Uh, and we're going to... Uh, go to our next story that is a my phone and people know i'm on the air aye, aye, aye. federal judge in florida uh stated that uh they're keeping an injunction uh keeping a uh, uh, uh upholding a decision about uh chinese nationals owning uh land in florida so Florida uh, has a law, apparently, that uh, Chinese nationals, I don't know how broad it is, but it's being enforced against Chinese nationals, uh, are not allowed to own uh, land in Florida. So what this, uh, what the uh, judge had said was, uh, hold, I just closed the window here. Boom, boom, boom. I'm not interested here. So basically what the judge has said was uh, that it is, uh, according to the Supreme Court, that there have been decisions saying the state can limit uh, foreign ownership in their state as long as it's not something unreasonable or arbitrary. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's, you now you're allowed to restrict foreign ownership. And it's very, now this, uh, and this is what people don't really realize is if you're a Chinese company, one of the things is the, uh, one of the things is you have to give access to all your company data to the Chinese government. And right now the Chinese government, very few civil liberty protections that we're used to in the uh, West here, uh, number one and number two was the uh, uh, 
they're our adversaries in a lot of ways. So uh, again, it's data mining. Let's say that you're doing you're a Chinese company, you're doing business in the United States. Guess what? Now China has all your company data. Consider that, and it's data mining. We don't know how they connect the dots, but the connect, dots are connected with all different types of innocuous uh, types of information. Uh, for years, and again, I went off the wall a little bit last night on the on a rant. Uh, with, no, we were told for years, the government doesn't collect DNA data. Then all of a sudden, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, of course, we always do. We, yeah, we connect it. Right? Uh, DNA uh, data on, in, on newborns. Right? And this is sort of like this. Oh, you know, China is collecting all this data. Now it's to get us used to them collecting data. Right now that we're used to it. And now, uh, who knows what they're going to do about it? Same thing with smart TVs. So for smart TVs, we're told for years, ah, smart TVs aren't spying on you. That's conspiracy theory. Then all of a sudden, a Chinese, uh, a South Korean uh, TV manufacturer said, oh, yeah, well, don't stand in front of that smart TV naked because you may get a picture of you. We may be able to collect data. Be careful what you're saying in front of that smart TV. We're collecting your... Oh, really? I don't know. Conspiracy theory or not? Not a... You know. It's been said conspiracy theories are often tomorrow's news. Right? An advanced copy of tomorrow's news. Do, do, do. Okay. Uh, new hours. Uh, hold on. I'm on the FEMA press release site. FEMA awards nearly $15 million. And they have the wrong year on this. It's 2023, guys, not 2024. Federal Emergency Management Agency will be sending out almost $15 million to the state of Connecticut to reimburse it for the cost of providing COVID-19 tests and vaccinations during the pandemic. Two public assistance grants totaling almost 15 mil will go to the Connecticut Department of Public Health for paying vendors to provide COVID-19 vaccinations and testing the general public. So uh, how much? Uh, 4.3 million will provide federal funding for contracting with an outside company to in administer 56,400 COVID-19 tests to the public between July 2021, June 2022, and the second grant of $10.5 will reimburse the Department of Public Health for contracting with a company to provide COVID-19 vaccinations to the public via a system of mobile clinics. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So they're getting money, some money out of this. The economy. We already shared our numbers here, but uh, this is uh, our statistics. But what we're getting here is... Uh, Future Citadel's Ken Griffin sees high inflation lasting for decades. So what's so basically any money that you save being destroyed, the value of it is being destroyed. My question is, how are you going to plan out? How are you going to plan things out? And uh, here, that's my question for you. If you know that the money you're saving investing today it's going to be worth less in the future. 
buying power is going to be less. What are you doing about it? You better have invested investments that outpace inflation is what it comes down to. Uh, 31% of millionaires say they're part of the middle class, survey finds. People feel squeezed, advisors explains. This is from uh, CNBC.com, article by Jessica Dickler. Only a small share of millionaires say they feel wealthy, according to a recent report. Persistent inflation has taken a toll on most Americans' financial security, making it harder to feel well off. What does it take to be rich? The short answer is more, said uh, Jason Van Deleu, uh, chief client officer at Edelman Financial Engines. Even among millionaires, only 8% would characterize themselves as wealthy. And yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, when my children were born, I did a budget and figured out about how much it would cost for a child born in 2012 to raise to 18 years old. I came up with a number of about a quarter million, and then my daughter was born a couple of years later, and I refigured it would be 275000 Now, when I revisit that, it's close to $350,000 for that. Now you're going to say, well, Jim, what are you doing? I'm, I'm talking modest lifestyle. We're talking food, energy costs, uh, you know, travel league baseball and everything else that goes into that. You, we couldn't, I could, I didn't, couldn't figure out way back then. So, uh, that's something that we, uh, you got to put into it also. Uh, and again, it goes on where you're living. So, for example, if you're making 150 G a year up here in New York, I'm going to tell you, you're barely making it as a single person unless you want to live under, you know, in high crime areas with no services. If you have children and you want a good education and use public schools, not private schools, it's going to cost you a shitload of money, guys. And taxes, because what you don't pay, let's say, oh, we'll send them to private school. Well, what you don't spend on, uh, what you spend on, uh, well, you're not spending on property taxes, let's say, you're spending on the private school. And on the other end, if you want to, you know, and if you're in a real good area with good public schools, you're spending it on public schools and your tax dollars and not so much uh, on anything else. So, you know, it's one or the other. As a friend of our program said, do you want to get hit by a truck or do you want to get hit by a bus? You know, Murray Sabrin. Right? That's my favorite quote of his. And you don't want to get hit by either, but that's what I feel like up here. It's, uh, you know, there's well, just go and, uh, you know, be uh, whatever and do whatever. Well, I don't know if that's... Uh, well, you want to live in a rural area... You have to really look at the schools, just like if you have a major health problem, all right, you got to consider how far away are you from the nearest doctor or hospital? What's your EMT response time for, uh, for uh, basic life support? Things of that nature. Now, here we have uh, here, uh, this came across, this was a big headline today. Feeling crowded yet? The U.S. Census Bureau estimates the world population has passed 8 billion people. The human species has stopped 8 billion with longer lifespans, offsetting fewer births 
but world population growth continues a long-term trend of slowing down. Euro estimates the population exceeded the threshold. Uh, September 26th of a precise date, the agency said, take with a grain of salt. The UN estimated the number was passed 10 months earlier, having been declared November 22nd, 2022, day of 8 billion. And they talk about discrepancy and everything else. Now, we have spoken out here multiple times on the effect of the low birth rates on the economy. And the question is, are we willing to, uh, are we willing to have a low birth rate? Or, you know, uh, no, we are, apparently in our country, uh, which means that we're going to have a declining economy. It changes our needs. If we have a lot more older people, you need a lot more geriatric care. If you have a lot of young people, you're going to have, and, uh, you know, uh, children, you're going to need a lot of schools. So things change in society here based on demographics. Demographics are very important. And that too is the safety war, right? Financial safety. Uh, again, when you look at demographic trends on the you know, country by country, they go a long way to explain why company, countries make the decisions that they do. So whether we like it or not in our country, we, uh, okay, this is conspiratorial. We have, women have the right to have an abortion. Okay. Low birth rate. But now we have a declining economy, right? So how are we going to build up the economy is to have the right people in the right age groups making the right purchases. And then that's just the way it is. Uh, when you look at Russia, which has even a lower birth rate than the United States, what do you know? In another 10 or 15 years, they're not going to be able to wage war. There's an argument to be made this is why they invaded the Ukraine, was that they needed the equipment, they needed everything in the Ukraine. Nationalism, all that goes into it too. But again, they're having a demographic crisis over there. So, did that play a factor into that? In Eastern Europe, my, the country of Poland, uh, my cousin is a school teacher there. When he started teaching, the, uh, he's a public school teacher or whatever their equivalent is of a public school there. And they had 1,600 children in the school. Now they're less than 400 kids in the school. Think that's going to have a big impact 18 years from now? So when the war started in Ukraine, this is one of the reasons why Poland, because they don't have the people, they invited everybody from Ukraine in there, right? Big push for that. Demographics matter, right? And people say, well, the government doesn't have any business in it. The government uh, encourages things one way or another, depending on where you're at with that. And by the way, it goes both ways. What do you mean, Jim? The right wing's uh, this way. The left wing is that way. Guess what? When you have a group of people voting, either party will look either way if they're voting for them on any issue. New York, Rockland County, Orange County is a perfect example of this uh, situation. Now, uh, more war news here with this. Right? You do. Uh, 
Hold on. So here we have two things here. And I, there was another one for the new trainer of uh, 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 the United States, says, well, the aircraft trainer for fighter aircraft. All these fighters and all this new technology could be remote controlled. Hmm. Isn't that, uh, right? Even the Navy ships, when they have drones, they have submarines. And I mean, I knew about this years ago from people who probably shouldn't have told me this. But essentially, a lot of, and that's uh, too, is a demographic situation. You don't have a lot of people in the military. Now you have to go to automation, right? Terminator level stuff here. And you're going to say, well, Jim, what do you mean? Here we have a story out of that uh, right-wing rag Newsweek. I'm being uh, satirical here. Americans don't want to fight for their country anymore. Uh, sorry about it. Alex Phillips. A majority of American adults will not be willing to serve in the military where the U.S. entered into a major war. Recent polling has found while public confidence in the armed forces begins appears to be waning. The figures come as all branches of the armed forces have in recent years struggled to meet recruiting targets, suggesting a growing apathy towards a career of military service. In 2023, the Army and Air Force fell short of their respective goals by around 10,000 recruits, while the Navy was under by 6,000. Since 1987, the number of active duty uh, recruits uh, since... Well, Right, since 1987, the number of active duty personnel has fallen by 23%. Hmm. Experts say such a shortfall are worrisome in an increasingly volatile global picture with American leadership unsure what it will have to bring its full military force to bear. We have strike groups. Hold on here. I'm setting up the outro here. Right, you have an intro. Got to have an outro. So again, going into the demographic issues here, here's a thing. They're shorten, uh, in, uh, uh, shortening, right? Not enough people, but now, demographics. But now we have a situation here. We have strike groups, aircraft carriers, and the Marine Expeditionary Unit outside of Israel now. Justin Henderson, a former transport operator for U.S. Marines turned military recruiter, Told me this week. We're funding two wars for we're actually, but well, we're actually boots on the ground, drone, drones above Gaza. So we're already involved there, and we're not sure what's happening in Taiwan. So this is a tumultuous time for us. So they're investigating, I'm sorry, investing in robots, right? Terminators. And here we have uh, two stories here. The B 21 Raider, the Air Force's new nuclear stealth bomber, takes flight for the first time. Uh, the first test flight on Friday. Again, the Air Force is planning to build 100 of these warplanes, which have a flying windshield bus like V2 Spirit, but will incorporate advanced materials, propulsion, uh, stealth technology to make them more survivable in future conflicts. The plane is planned to be produced in variants with and without pilots. Oh! Wow! With or without pilots. Here we have a story in Russia. 
This is from, again, that right-wing rag, Newsweek. Russia's nuclear weapons move sparks NATO fears. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg on Thursday said Russian President Vladimir Putin, who reportedly has three doubles, has made a world more dangerous by his decision to walk away from international nuclear agreements. Stoltenberg made the comments during a Berlin press conference held after he met with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. In criticizing Russia, the NATO chief cited Putin's move earlier this year to terminate Russia's participation in the new Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, START, which was the last remaining nuclear arms agreement between the U.S. and Russia. He also blamed Russia for ending the Intermediate-Range Nuclear Forces Treaty uh, between Washington and Moscow in 2019. Silver then referenced a more recent example of another abandoned agreement. Going on, hey, uh, you know, the Gluvano's about to hit the fan, folks. I hate to say this. Another development. We're talking about psychological safety here. Actors celebrate a return to work after the SAG after strike ends. Tens of thousands of actors from Los Angeles to New York threw down their picket signs and prepared to get back to work Thursday after a tentative deal between the Screen Actors Guild and the Alliance of motion picture television producers finally ended a 118-day strike. The deal must still be approved by rank-and-file members of SAG-AFTRA, but in light of strong support from union leadership, including President Fran Drescher, the nanny, that's all but assured. And it's, it is historic, and we got so much, so much important stuff. Well, that's good. Getting back to work. I know one thing I learned a lot about this uh, from Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong on the Delta Flyers uh, podcast. They had some of the leadership of the union on there that described their challenges. And basically, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I didn't, the only place slave labor is allowed in this country is inside prisons and in the actor and in Hollywood, right? Well, it is. I mean, uh, you know, you wonder why, you know, no, you see these people making millions, and that's something only like 5%. That's the union's number. 5% of the people actually make money. The other 95% don't make money in, in acting uh, with that, and it sucks. Okay. Ocean pollution study. This is out of USA Today. It says, don't clean up the trash in our oceans, but reduce its input. Because you'll never be able to keep up. Oh, well, that's... Now, people ask me how old I am, and I always tell them, I'm old enough to remember how plastic bags were going to save the rainforest. And now we have a plastic problem, right? With that, that with, uh, with all the other stuff and all the garbage and everything else. All right. Now, aliens are a foreign power. Pentagon UFO chief says someone is in our backyard. This week, the director of U.S. government's USO, UFO analysis office stated that there is evidence of concerning unidentified flying object activity in our backyard. According to physicist Sean Kirkpatrick, who heads the congressionally mandated all-domain anomaly resolution office, this alarming UFO activity can be attributed to one of two extraordinary sources, either a foreign power or aliens. To be sure, the ramifications of either would be significant. Uh, and again, 
people talk about this when they're about ready to retire because there's very little risk with that. And here we have air our final story. Air officer goes public with terrifying UFO encounter. It's coming right for us. Right, how many more minutes do I have here? Hold on. Do, do, do. Okay. Uh, a floating red square the size of a football field ho hovered over U.S. military base not once but twice, according to a new report, causing terror and chaos. The 2003 uh, incident was first made public uh, during July's congressional hearing about into UAPs, formerly known as UFOs. Given sworn testimony, former U.S. Navy fighter player Lieutenant Ryan Graves described the event secondhand, recounting the morning of October 14th, in which a mysterious red square floated above Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. Now speaking on Lieutenant Graves' podcast, Merged, the second military source has revealed the object returned that day. Again, all of this, and it goes back, you know, oh, this is all conspiracy theory. Oh, it's all conspiracy theory. Well, now all of a sudden, oh, maybe there's some truth to it. Something to consider. Okay, we're going to go to our outro, and we will see everybody uh, tomorrow. Maybe I'll get on the air for a uh, brief uh, program here. And here, hold on. Okay, we got it. Necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.